Welcome to the Big Fly Pod. Swung on a jump deep to right field. There it goes. See ya. First hit of the year. Oh. He drives one. Deep left field. That goes up to Back near the wall. It's out of here. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Welcome to episode 55 of the Big Flag Pod with your co-hosts, Vinny D'Amato, Kame, and Tilu. Our first episode of 2024. We're excited to see what happens here in the upcoming new year. But first, let's check in with how the fellas celebrated their uh, ringing of the new year. Vinny, how are you? How was your New Year's, buddy? And what's happening? Yeah, New Year's was good. Thanks for asking, Ty. Had a you know, few friends over, and we hung out and watched the whole ball drop Nashville stuff and um you know had some champagne we made some some coffee espresso martinis and just kind of you know did some fancy drinks and some non-fancy drinks the Miller Lights you know all over the spectrum so it's a good time um you know didn't go too crazy but just had some fun had 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 a good time so how about you Kyle yeah New Year's was good I was in the uh, great state of Wisconsin for New Year's spent it up in Madison uh, with some friends, um, got after it. Also had some adult beverages, um, watched some football, hung out. So, yeah, excited for 2024. I think it's going to be a good year and uh, ready to rock. Couldn't be better. Big question, Vinny, uh, the espresso martinis. Uh, I know we're not – probably it's not appropriate to talk about these things, but I, I think it is actually a, a legitimate question. Did you ever go to bed? Yeah, two thirty. It wasn't too late. Like it wasn't. It wasn't it's crazy. Two thirty. I mean, on New Year's, like, yeah, no, not bad at all. We did it them a little good. earlier, so it wasn't. You know. Okay, that's a good call. Yeah, that's a good call. Mm-hmm. That's a veteran move right there. Yeah, it's a veteran yeah. move. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ty? What'd you do? Uh, so we went to a Gatsby, Great Gatsby themed New Year's thing that was at this hotel. Um, it was good. It was fun. It was fun. Different crowd. Uh, different type of situation we have uh good friends out here that uh love to do those types of things we're like all right let's go try it so we tried it um i rocked the um i don't know if you guys can probably see here on the screen um but i did rock like the paperboy outfit let me pull it up here so you guys can see i thought i rocked it pretty well i thought i rocked it pretty pretty well i don't know we'll see Oh yeah, you look oh, good. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so I felt very, very confident in that. Shout yeah, out Coles. Yeah. Shout out Coles. Shout yeah. out Coles. Feels Maybe like- the goal is though is that I can reuse that hat for St. Patty's Day, and then I guess just do a Great Gatsby theme every single year party because uh, I kind of need to make money back on that investment. So I don't really know if I'm going to make an ROI on that, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> it was good though. It was good. It was fun. It was. Uh, you know, did uh, did the uh, ring of the new year in uh, at that event, and then just hung out with our friends for the rest of the night, and then uh, watched college football for just literally as that first game started. I hit the couch and I just watched both games, and I think we'd all all agree that the Michigan Alabama game was one of the better games we've seen in quite some time. And then um, you know the Washington Texas game. It's so hard because you're sitting there, you just got off of just like an absolute ride of watching that game of Alabama Michigan so it's like very tough for that next game to meet those expectations or match or sorry match what that was 
right? But it was, man, that was fun. That was fun. I, I would love to do a segment just on that, but uh, we are not college football experts. Barely an expert at anything. I mean, you know, especially college football. I'm more of an NFL guy. I, Bears game. Good Fair one. Enough. Did you catch the Bears game? Big, yeah. game on, yeah. big game big game coming up Sunday. this Sunday. Big yeah. game coming up this Sunday. I'll be with Abby's uh, family, who are the, uh, Abby's mom is a Packers fan. So, hopefully, be, uh, um, I will keep it cool. I will keep it I calm, was, cool, and collected. I was actually watching with a Packer fan, and we ended up watching the Packers game later. But even he said he's like, I, "I'm a little, little scared this for this weekend." You guys look pretty good. I said, "Yeah, boys yeah, are humming. Good. Yeah, boys they're are humming. humming. They're hot." Do not, sleep, do not sleep on the Bears. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are giving me – I saw a tweet today by Big Cat. He said uh, it reminds him of the Lions from last year. I thought that was a little mm-hmm. bit of an interesting take. Um, I mean, there's some differences, of course, but I, 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 I'm I, enjoying this, guys. I, I, I knew people were going to go all out and think that the Bears were going to be something this year, and it was very disappointing at the beginning, but things are turning around, man. Things are looking really, really good. Montez Sweat looks like an absolute steal. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be a massive offseason coming up. Um, yeah, one of the biggest ones in a while, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So far, Pools has done great. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, Soldier Field wants fields, which I thought would that honestly was awesome. That was awesome. You talk about a guy who's want to play here for the rest of his career. I'd mm-hmm. say so. Well, boys, um, man, things happened. Things happen, Vinny, since you and I lasted uh, our last episode there before the end of the end of the new year or end of uh, 2023. And some cool things happen. And I think things are going to start to get rolling here a little bit. I mean, golly, I can't I don't know the number of days until spring training, but I mean, it's probably what, two months now. We're down to pretty much two months until I think it's less than I want to say it starts even in February. Yeah, it's like a month and a half. Yeah, I think February. Wow. Tw- I just looked it up today. Yeah, February twenty second. You get Dodgers v wow. Padres. Wow, and, and that sucks. Day after, big time matchup. That'll be yeah. a beat down. Mm-hmm. Now, if I if I if I'm, they are not. Are they playing an MLB based game like regular season game in South Korea, or was that a spring training game? I believe that's the first game of the regular season. That is the first game of the regular season. Okay. Yeah, okay. I believe so. Because I, I saw it because I saw it was February 22nd for uh, Padres Dodgers. I was like, wait, that's the South Korea series. But I'm glad to hear that's going to be a regular season matchup. Well, boys, uh, K-May, as somebody who saw this man leave his own team, which many thought, were, you know, what, you know, he goes to Boston, wins a World Series. But ever since then, everything's kind of gone south for the guy. But maybe he's going to get a new shot here. Chris Sale is traded to Atlanta from Boston uh, for short, uh, shortstop Vaughn Grissom and $17 million in cash. The financial aspect is key here as Sale was due $27.5 million in 2024, which will now turn into around $10 million. Um, Chris Sale's deal also includes an option for $20 million in 2025. So this whole, you know, the whole situation is really fascinating in itself because obviously the Braves are going to take a flyer on this, uh, on this guy and see what they can do. And they send out a, you know, a key prospect that they had or, or graduated prospect at this point in Vaughn Grissom 
But he was a talented kid that I'm excited to see get a shot in Boston. We were talking about it before we got online here that we think he's probably going to slide over to second base um, and let Story move back over to short. Uh, but Kame, I mean, this is this was one of your guys for a long time, loved, loved by White Sox fans, and a guy who came out of Florida Gulf Coast University that. I mean, one of the most electric arms, one of the most dominant arms, in my opinion, uh, throughout his career until his injuries settled in 2020 and then uh, basically 2022 to 2023. Kame, your thoughts on the deal, buddy? I know this was uh, this one hits home a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, Hep for sale. Um, as we kind of talked about, he struggled with injuries the last couple of years, kind of struggling to stay in the mound, stay healthy. Um, so kind of getting a new shot here, kind of a change of scenery. I do like this move for both sides. Um, you know, I think for the Braves, it's worth the gamble. Um, they have pitchers in place, so he doesn't need to be that number one, number two. You can slide right into the middle of their rotation. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't quite pan out, then it's not the end of the world for them. They, they still have a chance to compete and uh, compete for a World Series, um, kind of as they have been the last few years. And for the Red Sox, too, I like them getting Vaughn Grisham back. Kind of mentioned prize slide over to second. It's kind of what we were talking about before we hopped on here. Um, you know, the Red Sox really haven't had a solid second baseman since that's Pedroia. Um, if, if you really think about it, it's kind of been a revolving door at that position for them. So high hopes for this kid. Obviously, Grisham's very talented. So like I said, I think it's really good for both sides and uh, hope pans out for both of them. Yeah. Vinny? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be some kind of, you know, sales not going to throw 200 innings this year. And I don't think the Braves need him to. Right. He's going to give you 140 maybe, but they're going to be a damn good 140 because that guy even though he is up there in age a little bit still a great pitcher right i mean he's still got it when you need him to um as far as i actually think you know it definitely is like you said kyle a, a good trade for both sides but i'm a big fan of the vaughn grissom move i think that is exciting for baseball and just in my eyes i'm um, very excited to see him at second base and especially in fenway um he's a safety over upside kind of guy with the bat he's got a moderate power speed blend and uh, Fenway is a perfect place for him to hit doubles. So he is going to be hitting the green monster over and over and over. Some of their playing time gets a little bit sticky if they're bringing up Marcelo Mayer, but I wouldn't worry too much about that right now. I mean, Vaughn Grissom is going to be exciting to watch in Boston and uh, yeah, sale obviously going to a world series contender is a fun, fun part as well. We talk about the word depth a lot. On this podcast, we talked about it specifically during the playoffs. I mean, this was a, a key point regarding team success in the playoffs. And look, the Braves are going to be another 100-win team with or without Chris Sale. There was no doubt about that. It's about what they can do in the playoffs. And you're talking about a guy that when he's on, he's still dominant, very, very dominant. And now with him going to the Braves, the depth, like I said, is there not only will their rotation include Chris Sale this upcoming season, and of course includes Spencer Strider, Max Freed, Charlie Morton, Bryce Elder, and others like Reynaldo Lopez, uh, AJ Smith, Shaver, and then um, Waldrip is also on the cusp of coming up as well. Who uh, who is drafted out of Florida? Who is a absolute stud, but still very young in his career. Exciting to see what he can do. Flipping on over though to uh, Von Grissom. Um, you know, we talked about it, a change of scenery for a guy. And I mean, he's a pre-arb guy. So like the change of scenery aspect is sort of, you know, over 
overblown for, for this type of kid, especially when he came into a situation where, you know, comes in, Dansby leaves, and everyone thought that he would be the new guy. Mm-hmm. And then it was literally, it once they got Orlando Arcia, who has been what they needed over at shortstop, they even yeah. extended him a few years as well uh, this past, uh, in, in March of 2023. The infield then is pretty, I mean, it's it's the blo- mo- it's the best infield in baseball, right? With Albies over at second. Um, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on the names. Uh, Olsen over at first and then Riley over at third. And all those guys are on deals, which the Braves had done tremendously well on deals that are long-term and it sort of blocks any of their prospects coming in. So now, smartly enough, they use these top-level prospects to get veteran-related arms to then bolster their depth in other areas. Um, the Braves are such a smart organization. Nobody saw this type of move coming. Nobody even thought that Chris Sale was going to be moved. But to now get yourself a arm that in the playoffs can easily give you four or five dominant innings, hats off, man. This is a great deal for both sides, like you said, KMA. I, I really think that Grissom is going to be a huge talent in triple a he posted a 921 ops over 468 plate appearances this uh this past season only eight home runs but the guy still slugged over 500 he had a 792 ops in 2022 uh over 156 plate appearances in the big leagues when he debuted uh and then but unfortunately posted a 659 ops and 90 plate appearances in 2023 again you can't really judge the guy for what happened because he just was in a difficult situation and in a situation that many teams would love to be in. So boys broke it down really, really well. This is exciting. He's 22 years old. Um, and, and Vinny, one more thing on Marcelo Meyer, he's kind of had some injuries, right? Like that's kind of been some things that are going on there. Shoulder issue. Yeah. And he's also a little bit young. So he's, I think still about a year or two away. So again, wouldn't worry about it right now, but um, I think he's planning to be the shortstop of the future. Maybe he nudges story out the out the door if, if he has a rough year, but um, yeah, I'd have to double check. I don't remember off the top of my head what, what his injuries are. He's I, not on any, any of my fantasy teams, so he's not right in my, in my <laughs> wheelhouse. Well, you talk about it too with um, uh, story. So he's, he's locked up basically looks like on, um, let's see here. So it looks like he's locked up at least, till 20 end of 2025 and he's got a player opt out but it's for 25 million so i think he's going to opt into that um and then 2027 he's going to earn 25 million so he's on the books for a bit so mm-hmm. yeah it's that'll be interesting but hey you add a, you add another top level prospect and then you can go and flip and grissom or, or if you maybe want to get rid of meyer and, and, and you know try all these different tactics we'll see um but it was a really cool trade to see i really enjoyed reading into this one yeah, I mean, how about that infield they could put together if Meyer, um, you know, Casas, we know how good Casas is, and then Devers at third and yeah. Grissom at second. That's, that's a good infield right there. Very formidable for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That works. Especially, well. I think I think Casas does have some defensive liability over at first base, mm-hmm. so move him to DH, and then you pop somebody over at first base, you know, whether it's one of those guys we mentioned or a, uh, you know, a different yeah, player. But Blaze Jordan, who's down there. Yeah, they got... They got options. They got plenty of yeah. options. Yeah. Yeah. Red Sox fans really want everything to be spent, but they just brought in, um, I'm blanking on his name, the the, the former Cubs uh, pitching development guy. Um, oh, did they? 
Oh gosh, yeah, no, they brought in a new man. I, I'm, I'm, feel terrible. Yeah, I, I don't know. Breslow, Chris Breslow, Chris Breslow, Chris Breslow. They brought him over, and and he's become sort of this new. Uh, you know, he came over, and people thought that that was going to change everything, and maybe you know, maybe he's just seeing that hey, these little pieces we can bring in and really put ourselves in a good position because the AL East man is just so hard. It's just so tough. Craig Breslow. Craig, did I say Chris? Craig, I'm sorry, Craig yeah. Breslow. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. thank you. Um, but yeah, the Red Sox, good position now, getting rid of sales deal. They send money over, but let's be honest, that money wasn't going to be used um, really for any big time free agents. But they did bring in another guy that hits home for KMA. Uh, they signed Lucas Giolito on a two-year deal for $38.5 million. It includes a player option in 2025 for $19 million. I am shocked that he's getting a player option for $19 million. But Lucas Giolito... What a story it was last year from him going from the White Sox to the Angels in that trade deadline uh, and then getting waived, uh, put on waivers with, with a flurry of players that were put on waivers by the Angels and then moving over to Cleveland, of all places, for the Guardians. Pretty wild year for him. Um, he ended up pitching 800, 184 innings uh, with a 4.88 ERA with a 1.31 whip with an 8-15 and 15 record, which... Kame, I wanted to ask you first, just because you saw this guy the most out of any of us, man. This is a guy that um, a few years ago, in, in, in many people's eyes, was going to be you know, a front-end starter for the White Sox for the rest of his career. And people loved him. And things fell off. I mean, in your eyes, Kame, what are your thoughts on this deal? Because if I'm looking at this, I'm saying there's no way that he's going to do well enough to be worth 19 million in my opinion. And then, but he's also getting a player option. So you're going to have him for two years anyways. Yeah. um, Kind of the story of his career is being like, so up and down, either really good or really bad. And last year was kind of that Valley for him where you were, we saw him struggle throughout the season. But uh, yeah, I know we were talking too when this deal first went down was this last, last Thursday or last Friday, end of the week, last week Um, in our group chat, we were texting and saying, we couldn't believe how much money he got um, just based on, what his performance was last year. I do think the Red Sox see a lot of value in the amount of innings he's going to eat, um, you know, over 180 last year. I think before that, the season before that, he was right around that as well. So he's going to eat a lot of innings. He goes deep in ball games, even when he struggles. So there's a lot of value in that to kind of save the bullpen. He's one of those guys that can just be right in the middle of that rotation, um, and kind of be a bullpen saver. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I agree with you, T. Lou. I don't. I don't think he's gonna live up to that contract that he got. I was thinking it was gonna be more of a flyer year for him. Maybe like a one year, ten to fifteen million somewhere in there, right? Just kind of like a prove it deal. Um, but I'm happy for him. He's a good guy. Um, I like listening to his interviews. He's a gamer too. He's gonna work his ass off for you. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, happy for him that he got paid. So hopefully it pays off. Yeah. You know. Vinny, before you mention, he does get added to a, a nice rotation. And Nick Pavetta, uh, Brian Bello, who was a awesome fantasy ad last year, really fun to watch. Uh, Tanner Houck, who, I mean, I've seen we've seen this guy go out there in, in big situations and shove. And I know he had a little bit of struggles last year, but he's um, potentially a bounce back candidate this year. And then Cutter Crawford, which one of the best names in baseball, um, you know. He had, a, he had just over a four ERA last year, but he pitched 129 innings, and he'll be a guy that they rely on as the year goes on. So that rotation is looking a little bit better, but 
I don't know if Giolito does that. Vinny, what are your thoughts? The more and more that I I looked at it, I I'm actually not surprised that he got the money that he got. And I think there could have been a case that he deserved some more considering some of the other deals that we've seen around the league. I mean, I don't really see many two years, so it's hard to uh hard to gauge. But like if you look, Sonny Gray just got a contract that could be worth a hundred million dollars over the course of four years, right? And the thing that Lucas has going for him may not be his great performance, but he hasn't thrown less than 160 innings over the last three years, which is pretty big, right? And and you know, we look at the numbers and we see his ERA and we go, oh, that's terrible. But you know, sometimes they just need an arm that's going to be out there no matter what. And I think Giolito offers that. I think the pitching market right now is just pretty out of control. There's some very, you know, there's a lot of money being thrown around. So um, teams want to lock up arms. Giolito's a, a lock for an arm and doesn't get much better out in the open market than signing a guy with as much upside as he has for, you know, $20 million a year. So Again, it, it sounds like a lot, I think, but I also think just given the market, like I remember what Kyle Gibson signed for ten million. So I just I see it. I, I get the money that he's getting, and I think it's I think it'll be worth it. You know, if he, you know, returns to half of what he was before, that's already a win for the Red Sox. It's a two year deal too. I yeah, mean, really. right. It's no it's not. And, and you look at it and you're like, I just I wonder if they could have gotten something a little bit better, right? Because now. If you go get Jordan Montgomery, does Pavetta move to a long reliever role? You know, does he fully move out of the rotation? Is it, you know, Montgomery's brought in? It's a six-man rotation because I know I know he's connected to the Red Sox, and I know the Red Sox really want to get him, uh, or Red Sox fans really want that arm in their rotation as well. So we'll see. Um, it's it, it'll be fascinating. I, and and Kame said it best: great guy, great for the game fascinating individual. All his interviews are really enjoyable to listen to because he goes so in depth on things that a lot of pitchers are probably not too wary of wanting to talk about, right. Or interested. Um, and I think the wildest thing was like, okay, man, I don't know if it was the year full year in 2022 when he's with the Sox, but he faces every single team on MLB, the show the night before. Yeah. Like, I, don't remember, I don't remember when he did. It was one of the interviews he did, but Crazy. I mean, who, who would who would think to do that? You know, that's um, hilarious. But yeah, it's so different. Yeah, he's on rookie mode and he's just dicing yeah. these guys up. He goes, "I have this in me tomorrow." <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, Sorry, just say like, definitely very personable. You know, like like kind of like we were just talking about it, which is which as fans we like. So, absolutely. Um, all right, one other guy we want to talk about here really really quick is just Frankie Montez signs a. Uh, signs with the Reds on a one-year, $14 million deal. It also includes a mutual option in 2025 or $20 million. Um, he did miss most of last year with the shoulder issue while he was with the Yankees that he also had in the previous season in 2022 as well. So 2023 statistics are basically nothing. In 2022, he did start 27 games. He had that shoulder issue in the latter half of that year. Um, 144 innings. His most innings he's thrown was actually 187 with Oakland in 2021. Before that, it was limited on innings. He's an interesting arm. The Reds are, um, in my opinion, Vinny, I think when we when we get to talk to, about them, it's probably the most volatile team this year because of their lineup and what they can produce on the offensive side, but their pitching is going to have to come through. And honestly, with this move, they bring in depth, right? They got Hunter Green, who's been – Injury riddled already his entire career, but he's a hundred mile per hour arm. 
Uh, Graham Ashcraft had a great start to the year last year, but really fell off. Um, Andrew Abbott was really mo- more of their sustainable arm, but Nick Martinez they brought in. Nick Lodolo has already had an injury history. Brandon Williamson. But now you look at it and you say, okay, we got seven, eight arms that we can we can throw out there. And Nick Martinez and uh, and and um, and Abbott have shown to be healthy, so at least you got a couple arms there. But I don't know. I mean, it's just the Reds are sort of they're weird in a way of how they do things, but I think they're a pretty dangerous team. What are your thoughts on the move, Vinny? Yeah, they're definitely a dangerous team. I mean, I kind of hate that they're in the same division as the Cubs because I really want to root for them. Like, I love their players. I love Ellie. I love Matt McClain, CES. Like, they're just, they're such a fun team. And I really want to root for them, but I just can't. Um, and I think something that they've done is they have done everything right this offseason, right? They attacked their needs, which is pitching, right? Like you mentioned, Tyler, they, um, they signed Williamson and, um, Nick Martinez. Or Martinez. I'm sorry. I was like, I knew I got the name wrong. Nick Martinez. Yeah. And signing Montas. And the reason why I think this is important too, is because there's been a lot of talk that there's too much depth at that infield, right? They, they have too many guys, too many mouths to feed. Now maybe they can use their depth as an advantage, right? Now they have enough arms to maybe gamble on. Maybe they make a move at the deadline, but they have really no more needs right now, especially at starting pitching. They have, they have enough guys to run out there for opening day. They will have some depth tested at some point, so maybe they would like to add one more. But I mean, they're only getting better. Like that—that that was this is a great move for them. Like, yeah, I mean, huge upside. Frankie Montas can be a stud if he can get back to anything that he was with Oakland. And um, yeah, they got they got the upside of Montas and the safe arm in Nick Martinez. So they're doing everything right. It's a scary team to be in a division with. Um, yeah, again, I wish I could root for them, but. It's going to be hard to, but they're doing, they're, they're, they look great. Yeah. Cubs, Cubs, Reds game will be a lot of fun this year. And I also think when we talk about the Cardinals here in a little bit too, those will be really, really fun games. K-May, I mean, Montas, he's, he's not had really any proof of health, but I mean the $14 million though, that's just, it's crazy where the market is. Yeah. And we talked about the market a little bit earlier. Ben made, ben made a good point when you brought that up. Just kind of been the trend that, we, that we've seen since the offseason started, um, kind of where we're head, heading or where we're at with the pitching market. I don't know. I, guys, I feel like I know you guys are just you're down in your cubbies right now because they haven't really done much. But I think by the time spring training rolls around, I think the team's going to look a lot different. I'm talking about the Cubs. Um, you know, perhaps a Matt Chapman. We talked about having him being linked to the Cubs in the past. Perhaps a starting pitcher. Um, you know, I, I think they look, they're going to be looking pretty good on paper. Uh, I don't think the Reds are going to be able to compete for a division title um, this season. Um, that's just my opinion. I might be proven wrong once the season starts. I don't think they've done enough to kind of put themselves at the top of that NL Central tier, personally. That's kind of where I'm at with it. I love that take because I would disagree with you, but but the Reds are still so damn young, and they, they really, True. really are. They're a young team, and they really, if you think about it, if I look at their rotation and I say, okay, so Hunter Green, if he can stay, honestly, here's honestly my number one predicament. If he pitches over, I don't know what his numbers are, but if he does pitch at a sustainable rate, I think they win a division based on the fact of what he can do. But if he has another injury-riddled year, that's going to be – that rotation, in my personal opinion, relies a lot on Hunter Green. I know they're getting a lot of depth, yep. but Andrew Abbott 
had a really nice year last year. Let's see if he can do it again. Um, I wonder what the numbers say in aspect of how sustainable he can be. And if you can get Nick Lodolo going, then now now we're talking about an actual threat. Sure. Right? If you can get Green and Lodolo going, but the rest of the rotation, it's we'll just have to see. Right. It's got any depth, right? Yeah. You feel like you got that. Um, but yeah, Vinny, what are your thoughts, buddy? I know you were kind of simmering a little bit over there. I love it. I yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Kyle had some some crazy flakes for breakfast or something, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh I I seriously, yeah, I mean it's hard to look at them right now and not actually, in my opinion, I think they're the favorites right now to win the central because you know, they only finished a game behind the Cubs last year and you know, there was a stretch for three weeks or a month where they were the hottest team in baseball and nobody wanted to face them. And I, you know, I know they cooled off and like Tyler said, they're young, but I think this is like, you know, the sophomore year where they were young last year. Now they have a little bit of experience. Now, hopefully they can have some sustained, sustained success. I mean, until the Cubs do something, I think they're the favorites. And yeah, I mean, even cause you know, Tyler, you mentioned health, being a big part of it they only got what 112 innings out of 100 green last year nick ladolo was hurt all of last year and he's a fantastic pitcher like hopefully now you got these guys for at least another 140 innings that's huge like that's something that they didn't even have last year and they still were a game behind the cubs and you know only a couple games out of the wild card so um yeah i mean with milwaukee subtracting like crazy and you know probably moving on from burns i it's hard to not see them as the favorite in my opinion uh, as as a baseball fan, I hope you guys are right because I think baseball is really really fun when the Reds are good. They're yeah. one of those teams where like when they're when they're good, they kind of catch the attention of the nation, right? Um, you know, especially with the, the all the young guys they have, that'd be a fun team to see make a deep postseason run. And it's typically yeah, like because it's such a small market team, yeah. right? When they get into the playoffs, almost like the Diamondbacks, right? They get yeah. into the playoffs, everybody's rooting for them to beat the Dodgers and the you know the Yankees or whatever whoever they're facing. So, um, yeah, you're absolutely right, Kyle. Let's talk about a team that will be going for that NL Central title this upcoming season after good transition. A real, real yeah, felt really, really good. Uh yeah. disappointing <laughs> 2023 season is the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, they finished last. They finished last. All right, that's my I'm not biased, I promise. Finished last in the NL Central with a 71 and 91 record, a season that many look back on and just say we had no pitching. We were trying to let Wainwright have his right off into the sunset and good for them. Good for them because I'll tell you this, Cardinals fans are not going to be happy with this club if that happens again this year. But looking at this ball club on paper, it, it is very, very dangerous. Um, let's start from top to bottom for their projected order as of right now. We have Brendan Donovan at DH, Paul Goldschmidt over at first base. Uh, left field will be Lars Newtbar. Third base will be the uh, – should be up there now in most gold gloves ever uh, compared to Brooks Robinson, but Nolan Arenado. Uh, catcher Wilson Contreras, which will be a very interesting storyline this upcoming season as to what they do with him. Second baseman, Nolan Gorman, one of my favorite players in all of baseball and one guy that I can see definitely popping off this year. Right fielder, Jordan Walker, which – that's going to be a very scary. He's going to be a scary bat this year. I would project right now. They haven't projected in the seventh spot. I think he's going to go up a little bit. Uh, number eight, we have 
center fielder Tommy Edmond, and then finally the blame thrower from short Mason Wynn uh, in the nine hole. Uh, starting rotation wise, that was obviously what many people saw the most this past offseason with the additions of Sony Gray, Kyle Gibson, and Lance Lynn. The rotation also includes Miles Michaelis and Steven Matz. Uh, bullpen wise, closer Ryan Helsley, Giovanni Gallegos as their setup man. Uh, Jojo Romero as an additional setup man or the seventh inning guy. And then Andre Pallante, Zach Thompson, John King, Nick Robertson, and Ryan Fernandez. Vinny, as Cub fans, we loved watching them just absolutely burn to the ground last year. But let's put aside our fandom here for a second. Let's just say that no one, no one in their right mind expected what was going to happen last season, right? Yeah, I mean... People thought, you know, it was between it was a two horse race between the Cardinals and the Brewers, and maybe the Cubs were going to push at the, you know, for a very little. But for them to be twenty one games out of first place and, you know, the second worst division in baseball, it's kind of surprising. Like nobody, yeah, you're absolutely right. Nobody saw that coming. Um, but I do think people saw the lack of arms coming, and you know. That was their biggest problem, right? They got 200 innings out of Michaelis, and that's kind of it, right? They they were injury riddled. They ended up selling off Montgomery at the end of or at the um, All Star break, so they knew it was coming halfway through the year. But it's just it it was shocking how bad it was for for a little while. And so, you know, I think they still have the pieces to be competitive, but it'll be an interesting off season to see off season and All Star break for them because what direction is this team going to take? Right. We don't, we don't know. And I don't know if they know, right. Are they going to continue to add click? They have brought on a lot of age. So already. And so it's just kind of, you know, what direction are they, are they taking? We don't, we don't really know. So um, we'll see. I mean, glad you caught that. Um, Cause now they got, you know, Goldie's 36. I want to say, I don't know if he's turning 37, Aaron Otto's about to be in his mid-30s. They haven't really had a lot of success with their prospects. Um, you know, like I remember Juan Yepes was up last year, and he's kind of – I don't even know where he is anymore. Um, you know, Jordan Walker obviously is a, is a success story. We'll see how Mason Wynn turns out. Um, you know, they've had some injuries in their outfield and just haven't quite put it all together, so it'll be interesting to see. Are they sellers at the deadline, or are they adding? Tyler yeah. apparently can't talk. But, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Kyle. <laughs> I I agree with you. I think they need bounce back years from both Arenado and Goldschmidt. Um, you know, we we talked about on the midseason pods, just kind of watching them throughout the season. We said, you know, this lineup's too good to struggle. So once they get hot, then look out. And they got sparks here and there, but they never really found their footing. Um, so not only do they need, I mean, good good years from the pitchers as well. We talked about their age. I think their position players are very important too. They need to have good bounce back years and they need to kind of get back to their normal form. It was kind of an off year for them. Um, specifically talking about Goldschmidt and Arenado, but everyone else in there too. Contreras didn't have a good year last year either. So um, yeah, like you said, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens at the deadline. If they do have a starting pitcher or two, that's doing solid, but they're, you know, sitting around 500 like they were last year. Do they go ahead and sell at the deadline or do they kind of go for it? Um, Cause they're kind of on the, it's kind of like a make it or break it year, if you will. So with that, Actually, age, I, I kind of want to push back. Sorry. 
Go ahead. Uh, no, the, the Contreras thing. So yeah, he did. He started off horrible, right? Because they, I yeah. think it's like a tale of two halves, right? He started off horrible, and I think they benched him for a while, we right? Mm-hmm. And he was so bad behind the plate. He was so bad offensively. But I looked at his splits at his, I mean, his last forty six games of the year, he ended with a nine fifty nine OPS, ten home runs. He was strong finish. I'll give you that. Top ten percent in the league in WOBA. Um, it's just it's kind of weird how that happens. And you're absolutely right. It was a terrible first half. Yeah. And I think that's when the Cardinals realized maybe they didn't have it this year. So maybe if you flip flop and he starts off the year hot and they start off the year hot, maybe things are different. So I, I just, yeah, I don't think Wilson's dead in the water yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't either. Yeah. I think, yeah. He's good. I think he's a good, he's, I mean, I think he'll be solid this year. Um, definitely need more consistency though. I mean, from, from, from top to bottom saying in the lineup, there were two up and down to roller coastery. Um, yeah. Need that more consistent kind of feel to him. Yeah. Yeah, and Tyler, I'm curious, was it as a Cubs fan, and you know, I know we try to take our Cubs bias out of it as often as we can, even though we're not doing a good job. Um, as a Cubs fan, how did it feel watching Wilson struggle in the beginning of last year? Because I know that he's been at odds with Cubs fans ever since he's left. So how did it feel watching him struggle? Did you feel bad or were you kind of like, you know, you suck? What was your take? Yeah. Um, how did I feel about that? Wilson was loved so much in Chicago because he played his ass off every night, played with so much emotion. He did everything he could. And when he went with the Cardinals, a lot of people saw it, of course, as like we all would agree, where you go to a team that is a full-fledged rival with the team you're going to, you're never going to be fully supported at the end of the day by the other fans, right? And I sat there a lot of the times this year, and I, I, I won't you know, lie about it. I felt good in in essence of what some of the things were happening to him because he put himself in that position. But I think what Wilson recognized pretty quickly is he doesn't have to do those things. It's not necessary. And I think that he kind of settled in towards the latter half, the second half of the season, which might be a byproduct of a couple things. You come in, you're judged against the best catcher this organization has ever seen in Yadier Molina, right? So you come in and you have to now try and somehow be a blip in the expectations or, or expectations of Cardinals fans, right? So you got to somehow do that. Two, he then has the issues with the, the pitching staff and it's pretty evident as to what's going on, right? He's not, he's not calling the game, right? He's doing the wrong things and he gets benched. He gets removed immediately. So like nothing is going really right for this guy at the beginning. And then let alone now he's got to have a bat. You know, he's got to somehow play well. And if Vinny, you and I can both agree, he's one of the more emotional ball players that I've seen on the Cubs in, in, in quite some time. So I knew when those things were going to happen, I was like, this guy's going to have a horrible year. Yeah. Like there is just no doubt because he can't handle – these types of things. He has to be loved by the city he was in. And I think that's why when Chicago didn't sign him back, that's why he got so probably offended was, man, I've done so much for you guys, but the underlying metrics and what Jed Hoyer saw was I'm not going to pay a catcher, whatever it was, $80 million when I can find value in other aspects. So to, to not say that I wasn't happy, right. Is wrong. I was, it was, it felt good to, to watch him struggle, but at a certain point, though, I sat there and I was like, man, like if if they can't figure it out, this is one of the worst contracts in baseball. Yeah. 
Because it was it five years? Yeah, five years, eighty-five million dollars or something like that. Yeah. For a DH, mm-hmm. for a DH, yeah. who's your backup catcher? It's like, oh my gosh! And Wilson, his defensive abilities for a while were outstanding. Yeah. Some of the throws, like the throw behinds over at first base, the pickoffs, man, like this kid was. This guy was a dude. He got an ovation at Wrigley when he came up in his first at bat and somehow hit a home run. Like this, everything worked out for the guy. He under, unfortunately has to go to a different situation, which in my opinion, he should have never gone to St. Louis in the first place. It was way too high of expectations. He could have gone to a city where he didn't have to try and be this polarizing figure. And that's what he was this past year. So I think, I think what's going to happen for Wilson this year is I think expectations will be lower and he'll exceed those expectations because he's going to work his ass off during the, during the off season and put himself in a better position. Now he's got five veteran arms too, which I think will be very helpful because now it's all older guys who could tell him, hey, this is what I'm good at and this is what I'm going to do. But I think I'm going to bet the over every single time that he catches Lance Lynn this year because that will be home run city every single time that guy's on the mound. So um, let's try and dwindle back our fandom a little bit. Yeah, Looking at this rotation, I look at and say, now you have durability. You have full-fledged durability with all five of these arms, maybe besides Matt's. But Sonny Gray, in my opinion, can be a top 10 pitcher again this year based on his um based on the pitches that he throws and his ability to move the ball around the plate in different angles. Right. I feel very, I feel very confident if I'm a Cardinals fan in that guy running your rotation. Miles Michaelis can figure it out a little bit. Kyle Gibson, veteran arm. Lance Lynn. We'll see how that goes. Steven Matz, if he's second half Steven Matz, he's a two or three in your rotation, in my personal opinion, if I'm looking at these other arms. So what are your thoughts, boys? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that stands out is the age to me, right? Because like, you guys are all old um, on the wrong side of 30, as they say, in the industry. So we'll see what they get out of them. Um, I do think there's a lot of value in Sonny Gray. Um, he'll obviously be your number one as of now. I don't know. I was expecting them to make a bigger splash at starting pitcher going into the offseason personally. Yes, they got Sonny Gray. I think they needed like two Sonny Gray moves. Maybe like a Sonny Gray signing and a trade for, I don't know, Shane Bieber or something. And they, their offseason is still young. They still might do that. Um, I don't know. I was just expecting more. Maybe they're still in a Montgomery. Maybe even a Blake Snell they're still in on. Who knows? But I was expecting more from a pitching standpoint out of them this offseason. It's kind of my point. Vinny, I know you're the pitching guy. This is a the age thing is critical here, but I want you to but I want you to look at this and say if I take the Cardinals last year and I give them this rotation, do they make the playoffs? Um, no. I think they're closer. Really? I think Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray is a great ad. I mean, I'd be thirty four, but I I do agree with you. He could be a top ten guy. I mean. He just put up 184 innings, like, and they were spectacular innings. Um, it's, I don't trust Lance Lynn. I mean, Lance Lynn went to the Dodgers. If the Dodgers can't work their magic, I'm sorry. I don't trust that the Cardinals can do what the Dodgers couldn't do with him. And signing for $11 million, like, just a little bit surprising. Um, you know, I know we talk about some, you know, the pitching market is a little bit high, but he has not been good and he's like there's there's a difference right so the 34 and a half year old sunny gray still looks elite 
the 36 year old Lance Lynn has been declining for the last two, three years and, and full decline. And so, you know, I think maybe they're just hoping to get some innings out of him, but I, I got to imagine, like, I mean, if he's not benched by halfway through the year or, you know, maybe an injury, you know, could be one of those fake injuries. Or something, I just, I don't see him having a good year. So does this team make the playoffs? I think their biggest ad would be Sonny Gray. And I, I don't know how much Kyle Gibson moves the needle. Like he's an innings guy. I don't know how much anyone else, you know, moves it so much. So I say, no, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Sonny Gray wins you 20 more games. That's all right. I want to talk about one guy though, that I think is a, I, I almost am at this point where I think he can have an MVP vote. I know this is a really bold take. I think Jordan Walker is going to have the best offensive season on this team next year. Yeah. I like that. Like, I love it. Like he is, he is that uber talented and he got the same thing that Wilson got when he came up with an ovation from the St. Louis Cardinals fans, which is impressive in itself that any player can get that. But watching him, the adjustments he made over the season was so impressive from such a young player. And I see why people think that he is going to become, you know, a legitimate bat in that lineup and a threat in that lineup for the foreseeable future. Um, I'm looking at it right now. I see. So you had home runs wise last year. Okay. You had Goldschmidt had 25. Uh, Arenado had 26. Wilson had 20. Gorman had 27. I think Walker can maybe potentially get 30. He had 16 last year. I'm even going to go 30 home runs for Walker. I just think that this guy is just so special. And I think that he, him with a, Nolan Gorman starting every day, okay, for I, – I I do not understand why this guy isn't in the lineup every single day. I know that it's a he's sort of not the best defensively, but he is a legitimate threat. You have him and Walker for the future. This team is, is looking very, very talented. I think this lineup is going to do a great job, specifically Walker. But As an anti-Cubs fan, I hope you're right. <laughs> there we go there we go there's the shade there's the shade i love it Vinny? um sorry i'm pulling up some stuff here too because i it's just it it amazes me so like just around the industry of baseball i think people think of jordan walker's debut last year as less than satisfactory i think that a lot of people were expecting him to kind of come up and light the world on fire and something that you know i just people i don't know if you realize he was 20 years old last year right in the major league hitting above average like he had a 116 wrc plus in 117 games that's not a small sample he's above average and he's 20 years old and like he he just absolutely blew through the minors so yeah, Tyler, you're absolutely right. I mean, this guy, if he puts it all together, he's getting MVP votes somewhere. Um, 30 home runs is not out of the question in a lineup like this. 100 RBIs, maybe 100 runs. Like, those are not out of the question. Um, and so, you know, he, like you said, started off okay and then just improved slowly and slowly. So, yeah, that guy's going to be fun to watch. 
And then um, you mentioned, I think, Nolan Gorman, right? That's who you're you're excited to see. Um, yeah, I don't think, like, he's a big power guy, right? Which is weird because he's a second baseman, big power guy. And so it's kind of interesting to see that from um, a second baseman. But he does hit the ball extremely, extremely hard. Just hope that his swing and miss doesn't, you know, cause him too much deficit because he was very, very streaky in 23. So if he can start to ease some of those contact concerns, I mean, his power, he's got 30 home run power as well. So, you know, you could get 25 from Goldie and Arenado, 30 from Walker, 30 from Nolan. That's that's a powerful team right there. That's a scary team any day of the week that, you know, I would want to face. Plus, you still got Newt Barr, you still got Edmund, you still got Mason Wynn to worry about, still got Contreras, like, they got a good offense over there. Yeah. Prospects-wise, is interesting because Mason Wynn is their number one prospect, of course, will start here this upcoming season unless things go south in spring training. He'll be, uh, he's their number one overall prospect. Um, who I really enjoyed was Chase Davis, who came out of Arizona, who is one of the more electric bats related to uh, his swing was identical, basically, to Carlos Gonzalez, uh, famous Cub, by the way. Um, one arm that I think people should keep an eye out for is Tikoa Roby, which is a guy who came over in the Jordan Montgomery deal. Um, when I looked at some of the write-ups on him, because I uh, this, one of my buddies out here is a Cardinals fan, and he said that he was very excited about him because it looks like he doesn't may not have a plus-plus pitch, one particular pitch, but it sounds like he has a strong mix across the board, uh, upwards of 96 miles per hour with some good off-speed. Little intriguing prospect to watch because ETA does say 2024. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. But a little intriguing prospect. Victor Scott is another guy that I know a lot of people are talking about. Fast as hell. Absolutely lightning fast. Saw him in the AFL. Literally gets on first and everyone just kind of waits until he steals, right? So um, those are some exciting names. Boys, I know we... um, I know we're running up on time here. Any prospects or anybody that you thought was interesting to, to look at? I just noticed, so, I mean, we talked about this outer rotation. If one of those guys gets hurt or whatever, they do have a couple top 10 prospects whose ETA, according to MLB, says 2024. So some of these young guys could get a shot just based on the Asia we talked about a little bit. You know, if Lance Lynn goes down or is really bad for the first few months, maybe he gets DFA'd, maybe one of these guys get a chance. So be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out. Yeah, Vinny? Yeah, I mean... Uh, to call Roby's great. I think, you know, if we look at the Cardinals prospect org, they have one of the better pitching development and not pitching development, but just guys in the minors who can pitch. Um, Tink Hens is just, I mean, he has electric stuff. He didn't finish off the year great last year when they moved him up to double A, but this guy looks like a frontline dude. Like he is a dude. Um, and then to Roby, like you mentioned, um, Gordon Graceffo and Cooper Jerpy is someone to watch out for too. He's uh He's got a really funky delivery. I mean, Cooper Jerpy just sounds like a funky guy. So yes. funky guy, funky delivery. Um, I just don't think he throws hard enough to really be an ace. Like everyone, you know, I I don't really think Takoa Roby, you know, you can tell your your Cardinals friend that I may be a little lower on Takoa Roby. I don't think he's an ace type guy, and maybe he doesn't think so either. But Tink Hens is certainly an ace. I think Roby slots in as maybe a a three to four, SP three, SP four and um cooper jerpy sp4 sp5 so they got arms um and then there's a a funny little thing about um victor scott do you know how many steals he had last year uh in the minor leagues 
Was it like 50 or 60? No, no. He led, I want to make sure I get this right. So he led the minor leagues. To Kyle, you want to take a guess? It's north of 60? North of 60. 75. He stole 95 bases oh in God. 132 games last year. So the weird thing about this, and I can't find where I was looking at earlier, but um, Fangraphs has him at 95, but then MLB.com has him at 94. And so I don't know where that missing stolen base comes from, but either way, 95 or 94, that is a lot of stolen bases in 130 games. Um, so Victor Scott looks like the real deal. He might struggle for some playing time, but um, you know, cause they got kind of a crowded outfield up there, but he'll probably make his way up soon. Chase Davis, um, just another dude who, yeah. you know, we'll like see they're, they're, bit, but what won't see, won't see him for a bit, but you know, they right. got a talented, they got some talent. Yeah. And Thomas and JC, this is the last one I wanted to bring up. Um, he also came over in that, uh, that Jordan Montgomery deal with, uh, with Takoa Roby. So, um, another infield second base type. They're just they're loaded in the prospects and um, especially on the pitching side. Yeah, and good for the Cardinals for making those moves last year and bolstering their farm mm-hmm. system in a sense where you're kind of tied up with Arenado and Goldschmidt and some of these deals and Wilson Contreras, which, by the way, going back to what you talked about with Nolan Gorman, the fact that Contreras is not working out a catcher is make is killing them right now because they want Gorman to, to just be a DH and them go out and just get somebody you can play second base and maybe, you know, but you want to keep winning. Like they're that Wilson Contreras deal. This is a big year. I mean, he really, I know the expectations are low for him right now, but man, he's got to come through because if they can somehow move Gorman to DH and then plug in a guy at second base, um, maybe like a Tim Anderson, you know, like, like really try and find something that works here. Um, We got about, we have probably about a minute left here, fellas, because we're trying to stay close on time. Any free agent predictions that you guys have? I thought TA might be a nice ad, but you know, for him to be a starting shortstop, that wouldn't work out. But want to hear your thoughts. Well, you took it out of my mouth, T Lou. Before the episode. No way. Yes, that's I was gonna that's Oh, gonna buddy. Yeah, I think Tim Anderson would be a good fit. Add some veteran depth in the middle of the infield. Obviously, Mason Wynn is still really young. Um, you know, get a spot start here and there and just have a veteran presence for those younger guys in the middle infield, I think would be good. Would you want Tim Anderson to be your veteran presence? Yeah, why not? I don't know. He doesn't know how to throw a punch for one. And <laughs> oh, yeah, two. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't really come up with a, a, I don't know if, did you ask us to do a free agent? Cause I, I didn't, but I did. I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I just, I just, I just figured that you guys are smart enough to have these ideas and KMA is smarter than I am because I yeah. found TA literally a minute ago. But. He's smarter than me because, well, the one thing I did want to mention, so real quick, I'll be quick. You mentioned Wilson Contreras kind of needs to work out and I agree that he does, but one person that I don't see in their prospect rankings and MLB, and this is why, yeah, I think MLB, they do great write-ups. I don't think they looked at Ivan Herrera closely enough because he is a guy who, if he wasn't blocked under Wilson, I think he'd be getting a lot more hype. Um, he slash triple a last year at 297 451 500 with 10 home runs those are good numbers he hits the ball hard if he gets any playing time any sort of run i could see him having an impact as well so that's their free agent ivan herrera great pick yeah and uh no tim anderson no ta <laughs> no, no, no ta st louis we'll see we'll see man because he's 
I mean, it's going to come down probably spring training before he gets a deal, which is just he's going to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. it's just sad. It's just Someone sad how everything player. worked out, man. It's yeah. Sad. All right, boys. Well, um, to everyone that tuned in, thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Big Fly Pod, and we will talk to you again here soon.